you would turn with me this morning to Rome, I'm sorry, Romans. First John chapter 2. This morning we're going to look specifically at verse 19, but, but uh, this morning I'd like to read um, 18 to 27 to give us context as we come to this new section here in First John. Uh, we've been hitting on the, on the verse for a little, little bit um, as we continue through. I think we need to, uh, this morning, come to the, the end of the section to give, give uh, context to what we're going to look this morning. So it's 1 John chapter 2. We're going to read from, from 18 through 27. The Word of God, God's children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and, of all you, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because there is no lie is the truth. Who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, who denies is the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, if you, if what what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too you will abide the Son and the Father. And this is the this is the promise He made to, to us, eternal life. I write these things to you that those who are trying to to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from Him Him abide in you, and you have, you have need that any anyone should you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything. And it's true, and it's no lie, just as it is taught you, you abide in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for this morning that you have, have given each of us, us to gather together to worship you. Father, Father, thank you for every breath that you've, that you've given us. Every beat of our heart, every good thing that you've given us, Father, Father, that we are completely undeserving of, and yet by your grace and your mercy, you you proclaim to the world that you are a good God, a God of patience, a God of kindness, a God of wrath, but also a God of God of mercy. And Father, whether we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While our sin cried out for your justice, cried out for your punishment, for merciful. Father, so often in my, my flesh, in our flesh, we confuse your mercy. It warps our, our mind. It warps our flesh into believing that we, we should not fear you. We should not respect you. Father, this morning, I, I, I pray, give us a deeper fear of you, a deeper respect of you. 
other help our our decision that's within within us that cause us us to be flippant towards you, to be flippant towards your word. Father, help us to 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 know you better, to respect you more. Father, this morning as we come to your your word, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. May God wouldn't leave Eve here saying that was a good message or that was a good message and then and going on about our lives. But Father, let us leave here, hear, hear from the Word of God and our lives change, drawn, and to be to be made like more like you, you Father. Father, Father, morning, we ask for your help. We are beyond blessed by receiving your word. Yeah, Father, even in the text, we know that we need more than your word. We need your Holy Spirit. Father, that's our this morning, our, our request that God, God, you would, you would change us. You would, you would give ears to hear. Father, it's for your glory that we ask these things. That God might glorify you in this life, and in the life to come, we pray. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Last um, um, couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, this verse eighteen, uh, looking specifically at Antichrist, or um, looking at the Antichrist and the Antichrist that have come. And uh, this next text, this verse 19, is uh, again one of the greats of Scripture. It's easy for a pastor to say that because every text is a great text. Um, but, but as we come to, to more and more text, text in the Scripture, it, it's more, more and more exciting. And this, no doubt, doubt, is one of those exciting texts that gives us understanding um, um, inside the, the church, his understanding about our um, relationship with God and His Word, and so what a, what a blessing it is. And 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 also we have to we have to take a little bit of a bit of a setback, and we have to under, understand that John is ba- battling in his letter Gnosticism, or um, if you go all, go all the way to the Old Testament, it's this mystery Babylon, or this this world religious world corrupt religion that's that's a like of Satan and I believe that that's why so often or when we come to uh, this person the, the Antichrist um, it's like the op- opposite of Christ it is a it is a um, uh, as um, oh if you th- if you think in the modern world if you've had oh try to think to think of something that uh, if you maybe I, I can't think of anything, but maybe you go to the. You're going to tease me for this this after, but you go to the dollar store and you get generic, generic cream sandwiches, and then you have the the Swanson's man come and give you one of the, one of the ice cream sandwiches. Um, there's there's definitely a different difference, um, but we this. And Satan's plan from from the beginning that it, that it's always a mimicking. It's always a trying to to give you a fake alternative. 
uh, a generic, generic alternative that, that appeals to people. It's a, it's, he gives them a religion that appeals to their flesh and should make them think that all is well. But, it, but in fact, it, it is garbage. It's a, a religion that can't save. It is, in essence, a, a simulation, a, a fake. Um, maybe, it would, maybe it would have been better for me to, to, look, to look maybe... A briefcase, or or maybe even a, a book, a Bible, Bible, a Bible that has what do they call it? Fox leather versus a Bible that has genuine uh, cowler. Um, um, they may look the same, but you will soon find after just a year or two of use that they that they are absolutely not the same. All right, let's continue on from the, the lame illustration since and look at verse nineteen. <laughs> It says they went out from us, but they but they were not us. For if they had had been us, they would have continued with us. But went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. This is uh, seems very very wordy. It seems hard hard to understand. But in fact, uh, when we step back back and look at this context, John is writing to the, the Gnostics or to his church, church, warning them of Gnosticism, no, no, warning of false religion. And here we find that inside the church, there were people who were rising up. That, uh, the church, I mean, the, the gathering, those we would believe to be brothers and sisters in Christ, within that there were men who would rise up. And they would begin, begin to teach something just a little, little bit different. Would teach something that often, most of the times appealing to link to the flesh, something that people want to hear, hear, itching ears want to hear, and they would inside the church begin begin to amass followers to themselves. Before long, long, what find is they could no longer deal with having competition, and so they would say, "Okay, I've got you, you group of people in the front. We're not even going to go together with those those people anymore because we obviously know more than than they do." And they are hindering us. This is what uh, this verse is specifically addressing. And, and then when people would leave, and what naturally happens, what 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 happens uh, for sure with your ha- with your, your pastor is he begins to contemplate what has has happened. Why did this happen? How how how? Why would they, would they leave us? Why would they quit coming? Why would, why would they not come back? Now we have to, and I was going to define this a little bit later. We have to understand also, right, that in context of today, this isn't to say that um, Mr. Brody moved to Montana. There's better deer hunting there, and, and he coming to our church, church, and they're going to a church there. That's not at all what this is saying. Okay, this is people who would become apostate, who begin to teach contrary. To what Scripture says, and they would break off and amass people to themselves, or maybe they would just get tired tired of truth, and so maybe they they get tired of being preached or or this or this or that, and so they would leave and they would just never never crack. In this context, specifically, it's regarding antichrists and false teachers. Now, now, what what is reasoning thing for this? Why does this happen? Uh, I've been in 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 involved in ministry and in church long enough to see people who appear to be Christians, appear oftentimes to be to be even greater Christians than I am. 
And they, they will, um, I, I remember I was young that there was a, a, a board, board member of the church who appeared to be this great, great shin. And then um, I didn't know him crazy well, but, but I knew him somewhat. And after a few years, um, all of a sudden he's coming to church. But his, his wife was coming. And what I, what I found is that he found some other girl, girl and ran off with her. And, and here's his wife has left. And if you like me, there's something inside of you that, that, that cries is, what has happened? When we look at um, the Gallup polls, and it shows that inside of Christianity, we have the same divorce rate, if just a little bit higher than the world. Something inside of you should, should cry out, what is wrong with, the, with this picture? What is happening? What further confuses us is the false understanding of the gospel that has been proclaimed the past several decades where you just come come forward, say a prayer, do this or that, and you just come to every Sunday, then you're, you're obviously saved. Is that the case? We find here absolutely not. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. It gives a definition. It's, For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. We also find um, with uh, adding to this understanding that, that there is always... See, this is, this is speak inside the church. This is inside the gathering. That there is always going to be factions among you. There's always going to be those who are... Um, um, a friend or maybe those who are right in the middle of it. And for for this reason or that reason, they decided that they know better and they're going to do what they do. And why is that happening? It's so that in order those who are genuine among you might be recognized. I Yesterday, I looked a little bit into the, the, the pair of the wheat and the tares. Many of you know, know that. That the wheat and the tares were, were, were sown together. We're warned to not uproot them. We're warned to, to not pull the, tar, the tares because it could uproot good plants. But what we find here is that at some point, um, as, as we continue to proclaim the truth, as we continue to pray, oftentimes the tares will uproot them themselves. And if they do it themselves, it allows us, us to recognize who, who among us is genuine. Understand that, that the ultimate test to true Christianity is found here in this text. If you remember, John was written that we, that we might be heard of our salvation or that we might um, be made, made aware or alarmed at the lack of our salvation. And we find here the true test of Christianity and the, tr- the ultimate t- True test of Christianity is one of endurance. In 1 John 2, 20-21, it says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all, and you all have, have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not, do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie of the truth. Continuing to 2 Timothy 12, it says, If endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Look what Jesus said in Mark 13, 13. He said, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, 
the one who endures to the end will be saved. In Hebrews 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Is Christianity easy? It's absolutely not. The preacher that, that, that preaches a message and at the end says, if you want to go to heaven heaven one day, just raise your hand and pray prayer. It's so easy, so simple. Just just raise it. Everybody close your eyes so we don't even have to embarrass you for it. Just with everybody's head bowed, head bowed, eyes closed. Just slip up a hand and slip it down. That's all you need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven. That, that my friends, is, is blasphemy. It is blasphemy. It is leading people to hell. Why? Why? Because they raise their hand. They have no repentance. They, have, they, don't, they don't know Christ, but they've made some sort of a religious commitment. And now, and now they walk out the door, oftentimes never to, to return, but they made it, uh, uh, raised their hand, hand one day. And the preacher preachers, that's all it takes. And so, so that's all there is. They never come back. They never endure. Life isn't easy now. Uh, think, of, think of all the empty promises that are given out by pre- preachers and, and well-intentioned, but, but sometimes, but, but oftentimes false believers who say, well, if you, you just come to know Christ, He'll fix every, everything. He'll make your life better. He'll make, he'll make marriage better. Everything will go, go easier. I have a smile on your face every day. This is opposite of what Scripture says said they will hate you because they hated, hated me. And if they hated Christ, are you going to do better than Christ? Over and over and over, Scripture tells us the mark of the true Christian is the one who endures to the end. The one who doesn't give up. In fact, often, oftentimes, when I go to quote people, and I've said this before, I would much rather quote dead people because I know if they've endured or not. I don't have to look back at my friend five years, years ago and say, whoa, I shouldn't have quoted from that guy. Um, ministries I deeply, really respect have to redo, um, have to re- redo films. Um, I still get out the biggest biggest question is, you know, those had to be redone because one of the guys in there didn't endure to the end. These now understand these guys in these films, they're not like average church ender. These men are devoting their life to the scripture, God, and yet fall. Martin Jones said, there's nothing which certifies the genuineness of a man's faith as his, his patience and then his patient endurance, his keeping on steadily in spite of everything. In spite of everything that's going on, they continue to, what, what's the word, Jake? To plot, plot, to plot along. When life gets hard, they continue to plod. When they have no desire to read Scripture, they, they continue to plod. When they have no feelings towards worshiping God, God, they continue to plod along. Why? Because God gives them endurance. 
Why do they go out and not endure? When we come to the text, why do they go out? And what what does it mean to go out? Go out? In 1 John 2.19, it says, They went out, went out from, but they were not of us. For if they had, had been of us, they would, they would have continued with us, but went out, that it might become plain that they are they all are not of us. One, it, it re-illustrates and that inside the church, there, there is the wheat and there is, there is the tears. But they're, they're among us. Oftentimes, it's as they themselves are deceived, whether it be through an empty religion or an idolatrous view, view of Christ, whatever it may be, uh, they may do the, do the right thing. They may put on the clean clothes. They may look like genuine believers. And, and yet, if their heart is not changed, if, if they are not born again, again, they will fall away. It might take decades. It might take take a week. But what does it mean to go out? Well, why do people go out? There are three different things specifically that as I pondered this, this um, I, I most often happens. The first is why do people go out? Is because they still have pride. Their pride will not, not let them submit to the elders. Their pride will not, not let, let them um confess their, their sin. Their pride will not let them look bad in front of people. Brothers and sisters, your, your pastor confesses his sin. And I go to, to my elders. I, I go to Jake. Jake is uh, very, very good at, at pointing th- things out. But you know what? There are times that I go to him and I say, Jake, Jake, I have to tell you this. I am so heartbroken. This is how I have behaved. This is how, how I reacted. This is this was my bad reaction to some, something that wasn't important. And brother, would you hold me accountable? I cannot keep doing this. I can't keep living this way. How about you? How about you people? How about you men? If you're looking at stuff on the internet, would you go to your pastor and tell him? Would you would you tell your brother or sister or brother other in Christ? Christ? Don't tell your sister that. Tell your tell your brother unless you have a wife. Or would your pride say, "I can't do that"? They'll never think of me the same. Can I tell you, tell you something? If you're, you're confessing sin to a genuine believer, they will think it, they they will not hold it against you because they have they have the same wicked flesh that you have. And if their pride is broken and submitted to Christ, they aren't going to treat you different because because they have sometimes the same struggles, and they might confess to you that oh, I'm with you, brother. We need to we need to get help, or 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 I'll help you in this, or or whatever it is. But pride will stop us from it, and if pride stops us from confessing our sins to one another, what will what will happen is we will hide hide those until we die and never repent, repent them, and oftentimes die and go to hell because we were never born again. Our, our, our sin never broke to the point where the hurt and the broke, broken from sin never outweighed the, the pride that stopped you from doing it. 
is, is pride inhibiting you from coming to know Christ deep, deeply, inhibiting you from knowing Christ truth. Pride will cause people to go out. Now we can go on to tri- trivia pride, which we see oftentimes in, in many different churches. Maybe it's the pride of, uh, I built the bathroom, and so I'm going to get to pick, pick what color we paint the walls, and, or thought I'm out of here. But whatever it is, it is that, that honestly is a silliness. That is silly pride. That's not even, not even deep pride. That's silliness. Is, is pride trolling you? If it is, and I'm not saying are you, are you not battling it because we're all battling it. Amen? And if you're in Christ, you are battling pride. If you're not battling pride, pride reading the Word enough. You're not examining yourself enough because we're all doing it. Because it was, it was, it was the sin of Satan. It was like uh, the first sin. And it's the, the primary sin that uh, I know for sure, the primary sin that sin that was against guys. It's primary. Are you, are you breaking it? Is Christ delivering you from it? From it? Are, you, uh, are, you, are you putting it under your feet? Are you confessing your sin even when it makes you look bad? Are you confessing your pride? Secondly, why, why do people go? Why do people leave? Secondly, is the truth is offensive. Now, it's, I've heard this, this several times that, that if, you, if you put um, sheep, sheep food in front of a goat, the goat will, will eat it from time to time, but eventually the goat is going to, going to be sick of it. And they're not going to be able to be put up with the sheep food anymore. It, it wants goat food. And, and, and so, in fact, inside the church, when the truth is, is preached from the pulpit, when the, when the truth is proclaimed among brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it will be increasingly and increasingly and more and more increasingly offensive to those who are not born, born again. And what is the truth? The, tr- the truth is the Word of God. As we dig into the Word of God and as we expound the Word of God, those whom are not born again will not say, this contradicts what I think, this, this contradicts what I've done, this, this contradicts my lifestyle, therefore I must repent and bow my knee to my King and my Savior. That's what a Christian does. That's what a big-in believer does. But those who are born again, and those who oats will say, this is offensive, and they'll come to a point, point where they will say, I can't stand to listen to this anymore. Why? Because the truth is offensive. And in fact, if um, if you're if you're none of you none of you are, but if you were the pastor of a lukewarm church, the best thing that you can do is to stand pulpit and read the word of God and expound the word of God week after week after week, because it will begin to do what scripture says that it will do. It will begin to cause some to go out. It will begin to illustrate who is it that is genuine believers. The, tr- the truth is a fiv. And tell you what, why, why go out? Because if the tr- truth is offensive, and we, and we know in John 1, the truth is Christ. Amen? The word, word is Christ. Christ is offensive. False converts get tired of hearing about. They get tired of Bible study. 
Now imagine if 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 you were if you had the person you love the most over for your for your supper. And every night night they're they're there at supper with you and and, and you have supper supper and then um often oftentimes at our after supper we we even if it's something short we we get the bible out and we 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 read a little bit and talk about about it for a little bit but imagine if imagine if you just have a guest and every day at supper they come over and you eat and at some point you say i i i love guests more than, more than anything in the whole world you know what i just just get, get tired here and over there adam I just get tired of hearing from them. Do you do you love that guest? And so and so often false converts they begin to say, "Well, you know, we don't we don't have to the Bible every day. No, do we really? Can we just just gather and have have fun? Do, do we have to? I mean, can, can't we go to your house, Kenny? Kenny, play volleyball all night and do, do the Bible study the next day? Next day." Why? Because the Bible study is the highlight. We get to appear at our guest, our, our beloved guest, our, our beloved Savior. We get to appear into, into His face. We, we get, get to see Him for, for who He is. The one who saved us. How do we ever get tired of it? How, how can we ever get tired of, of, of studying and reading and knowing Christ? Of all volleyball fun. My daughter really liked playing volleyball. In fact, I bought her a volleyball last week because she has decided that she really likes volleyball. But, but it's minuscule compared to Christ. It's minuscule. Our, everything that we have is minuscule compared to Christ. Now, can we, can we get together as believers, believers, fellowship, and have fun? Absolutely, we, we can. But if it ever gets to the point where, well, I'm just tired of hearing about the Bible, I'm tired of hearing about Christ, and I'm, I'm uh, to, to, to take a step back within church, there are some who claim to be Christians, and they get sick and, sick and tired of hearing about salvation. Why? They don't understand. They don't understand how amazing it is. They don't understand how good. They don't understand that it is the very most important thing in the entire world to them. And to know what Christ has done for us, to to hear it, hear it over and over. I'm saying, if you've been saved for a hundred years, it should it should still thrill you to hear Christ proclaimed. Because he is everything. He is all, is all we have. He is everything. And what he has done is so amazing that a hundred years of studying it nonstop in the Bible would even get us a glimpse of how glorious that it is, a glimpse of how good it is, a glimpse of how much, uh, how much, much we should, gratitude we should, should show towards it. And, and yet, what happens to false converts? Well, we heard about that last week in the sermon. Why do you, why do you always talk talk the Bible? Can't we just we just talk about global warming without the Bible? 
can't we just talk about, about sitting to the government and mass and all that? Can you do that without the, the Bible? I mean, we have scientists. Christ is, is bigger. Is bigger than, than it all. The word Christ. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, beginning was Logos. He was, he was Christ. In, in the beginning was Christ. If you have come to know Him, it's an impossible to turn away. This is when I when I when I was young and when I went to Bible college, um, this is the thing that that, that we talked about very much, much, and it was completely wrong Be, because we had to try to try to figure out how to. How to reconcile this problem of knowing that there are those who raise hands, do these things, and yet they go into the world and they act just like the world. They cheat on their wives, they divorce them, they do this, they do that. They're just like the world. And how can we really reconcile that? And, and within that, and because of this false um, soteriology or this false understanding of seeing of salvation, we have to start to become, become apologists to our errors. And the apologist said, well, obviously there must be backsliding going on because who could come to know Christ um, do these things? They're, they're obviously backsliders. And yet I tell you this morning, if you could come to know Christ, you cannot turn from Him because you will know Him, know him truth. And just we see here, here in first one that truth is the pivotal hinge right here. That you know the truth. Those those parted did not know the truth. They taught a lie. They they believed the lie. It was a it was a, it was a very small deviation. They still taught about Christ. They still taught that he that he is even the son son of God. And yet they they they. Perverse scripture to a point where there was a dividing there that they no longer believed and trust trust in the Christ that was taught in scripture. Now we know that in Gnosticism, that line was was to separate the physical body from the spiritual body and say, well, the physical body can sin all of it at once because God said, save the spirit. We go to heaven, heaven, you know, in our spirit and in our body. So, so live however you want. This, this is contrary to the, to the scripture. In fact, it's so so contrary to taught a different Christ. And, be, and because they taught a different Christ, they, they were not born again. They, they didn't know him. And because they weren't born again and didn't know him, it was they simply they didn't have to, to back back that they were already there. They just went a different direction. And look what John Calvin said. He said, Those who, who fall away have have never thoroughly endued with the knowledge of Christ, but only had a slight and passing taste of it. It's that they only knew taste. They only knew a morsel. And so often that taste and that morsel is so offensive that they begin to build a house around something else. They begin to build their, their structure around something else because that taste wasn't good. And so, again, again, be true that those in the world will, will hate Christ. 
So brothers and sisters, if, if what this is teaching is true, if, if it means that if, if you've come to know Christ, you will not, will not fall away. And if you haven't, haven't come to know Christ, you, you can still be amongst us, but eventually you will fall away. For, for one, that should strike a bit of fear into us. And we should be asking the, the question, well then, how, how do we endure? And we're giving the answer here. here. First John, the twenty-four through twenty-seven says, "Let what what you heard from the beginning abide in you." Now, let, me, let me read it again. Let what you heard, you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too too abide in the Son and in the Father. And and this is a promise that made to us eternal life. Let's come to twenty-four again. Let what you what you heard from the beginning abiding you. So what's the first key to endurance? Let what you heard from the beginning, the Word, the prophets, the apostles, let it abide in you. Let it live in you. Does the Word, word of God live in you, brother or sister? Does it live in you? Not do you visit it from time to time, but does it live in you? Is it abiding? And secondly, continuing on of 26, I write these things to you about who are trying, trying to deceive But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should chew. But as His anointing abides or teaches you about, every, about everything, and is true and is no, no lie, just as it has taught, taught you, abide in Him. So suddenly we we get we get the other we get the other end of it. One, we have to abide in the scriptures. Secondly, we we have the Holy Spirit. When does one get to get the Holy Spirit? When they repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord, Lord and Savior. If you are truly begin, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you must have these two things. It's, if you remember in Romans 12, I think it is. It was 12, 12, 12, 1 and 2. I was singing in the song in bed. Um, that the Holy Spirit, Spirit transforms you by the renewal of your mind. And he transforms you as you do your part. And, and if, if when we clear back to Romans 8, 8 we learn about... The, the sovereignty of, of God and salvation, but also the, the responsibility of man. We find, we find this thing here over and over through, through Scripture. The, the, the responsibility of man is to abide in the text. It's abide in, in Scripture. And then uh, in cooperation, then the Holy Spirit teaches you. He changes you. He gives you understanding. So much so that look, this text says, says this, this text, text is 27, about the perspicuous pers- Scripture. And that's just a big word that says that anybody that, that God has given to, to read Scripture can understand it. That it's not, it's not just a pastor up front that... that, um, that is blessed with the ability to study the Word of God more than probably other people have the time and ability to. It's not that he can understand it, but that God said everyone understand it that's in Christ. If you have the Holy Spirit, you can understand it. Whether you're, whether you're 
um, 80 years old, 40 years old, or 12 years old, you can, you can understand the Word of God. Now, maybe you won't understand some crazy deep thing, things about some stuff. Uh, I am far, far in someone of great, great understanding. But you will understand it enough to know Christ. Do you hear me, young, young people? God has given you the ability to understand the Scripture. I hear young people, adults, all kinds, kinds of people say, well, I don't, I don't Bible. I gave, gave up on that. I just don't understand. understand. Oh, well, either, either you're lying or God is lying. I'd say you're la- lazy. You're just not trying. You know why? Because I've been, I've been given things I don't understand and somehow can put, can put the Chinese death, death together at the, at the end. <laughs> Sometimes I have help from my wife. But, <laughs> but I, I can understand. I, I open... I, you just would think it's silly. I do... If I have something on my car, I've got a YouTube video. Sometimes it's even to find where you put, put windshield washer stuff. I don't like. I know that sounds sounds silly, but if you can understand how to change the oil in your car, car, you can understand scripture. Why God said so. Now, how can you not understand it if you're not not embraced? So you go to Scripture and you're trying your best to understand it, and it's making no, making no sense to you. Um, one, come come to your pastor. I would love to love to guide you and maybe point you to, to where where to start and these things. But if you come to me in a couple of weeks, weeks I might give you an assignment. I like to give assignments out. Some know that, and I would read this, read this, read this. Uh, come back and let's discuss it. And you come back and you say, I, I don't understand any of it. Okay, we need to talk about salvation then. If some, the, the Holy Spirit's not doing something here, here. And how do you come to know Christ? How how do you um, how can you come to be saved? Saved? You draw near to Him. Go to the book of, book of John, read it, and draw near to Him. And say, I must find you. I must come to know you. And um, I think you, I, I can't. Remember. It was R.C.C. Sproul, but one of the great men of men have said, if you. Um, if you turn to Christ and you seek Him with with your whole heart, and you don't find Him, you will be the, the first. So, how do we endure? One, we we abide in the Word of God, and two, the Holy the Holy Spirit guides us. Now, look at John ten, and this is my last text: John ten twenty eight through thirty. This morning, and you search your heart, and you know that you know, you know Christ. This is some of the most comfort scripture in all of the Bible. What Jesus says, He says, He says, "I give them eternal life." Let me say it again: I, I give them eternal life, and will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snap them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. If you are in Christ, this is why this is comforting. If you know Christ, and if you're anything like me, I begin to, to examine myself, and I begin to say, I have no, no idea how God could have anything to do with me. Because I am wretched. He has changed me. I still am wretched. And I don't appreciate him as I should. And I don't pray as I should. I don't read the text as I should. And I fall short so often. And I and I analyze attitudes, even on Sunday, even on Sunday. And I, and I analyze my attitudes and how I talk to people, how I this or that, that. And I say, God, why, why put up with, with me? I don't know why he would save me. I deserve it. But this is what Christ said. He said, if he, he gives me eternal life, I will, will never perish and, and no one will catch me out of his end. You know who I'm scared of the most snatching me, me out of his hand? And me. Because if you could sin against God, God and get out of his hand, you, you absolutely do it. You would, you would absolutely, your flesh would do it in a heartbeat. Praise God that he gives victory over flesh. Because if he didn't, I, I'd be the, the I am the biggest fool you will listen to this week. Because I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to stand here. I'm a wretched chidman. There I get that the more my flesh does wants to be lazy. I am wretched. I don't deserve salvation. And, and if he'd give it to me and he could and, and I, I could lose it, I would lose it. But if his salvation is a gift, if it's he who, he who changes hearts, and if it's he who draws me, and if it's he who gives me eternal, eternal life, and if it's he who grabs me, grabs a hold of me and holds on, then no one will be able to snap me out, even myself. Brothers and sisters, this is amazing. This this should should leave us indebted for the rest rest of our life. If God would save us, and if He would not save us, but but hold to us, if if I would start away from the path, He would discipline me, me and shake me and and cause whatever calamity to come upon me to keep me in, in my senses, keep me on the path. He is so good. This morning, understand with this text, also been mangled by false religion and mysticism. And when we begin once again to again separate the physical part of us with the spiritual part of us, and we say, well, God has me in his hand, and so I'm to be saved. And we put the saying, once saved, always saved, to try to then impute back into this 
Gnosticism and say, I can live, live however I want because God's going to keep me in his, his hand. Brothers, brothers, if you believe that, you are a victim of false religion. You are a victim of Gnosticism. I have had, had pastors tell me that. I've had pastors tell me, well, I'm saved. I've watched men who claim to be stand for God cheat on, cheat on their lives. And if I was 18 again, again or whenever that was, I would have I would have told that, that guy to us that he is a wicked kid, heathen, and he does not know who God had. I don't care if a pastor or not. And again, we can we come to this is what John is trying to battle. Don't be led into a false religion, religion by the world that is claiming it day, day and night. Don't be lied to by them. Don't find a false Christ. If you stand before, before God one day and you know a false Christ, you will die for eternity. You will spend eternity in hell because a false Christ cannot save you. Turn to the one true God of Scripture. The glorious thing of all this is Christ. That when he was on the cross, when he was being crucified, when the wrath of God was being poured out upon him for your sin and my sins, this also was part of it. That it's that wrath he took that would cause God to love me. That would make me lovable. It's not me that's lovable, it's Christ. That would cause God to claim me as his adopted child. That would cause God to not punish me, but to discipline me. As a loving father would. Men, and if you're punishing your children, you're out of line. Because there's a difference between punishing and deciding. Amen? If your kids break the rules and it's just punishment, you're deceived. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying discipling can't involve chopping, chopping wood and doing hard work and, and doing these things. But if, but if there is this punishment, you're missing it. Why? That's not how, how God is. Not for, for his children. God, does, God doesn't punish you. Never. Now you might say, "Well, I went through. I've, I've, you know, I've stumbled and I've, I've done this or that, and, and I, I'm suffering for it. For it, yes, you're suffering for it, but it's discipline. It's not punishment. It's good. It's good for us to suffer. Amen. It's God. God keeps you. We come back just a little bit and into that a little deeper than I thought I, I would, but inside the church." It's God who keeps people. And if people, I'm telling you, people have broken my mind. Pastors have stomped my heart. I'll tell you even today that there's there's a man whom I see very, very, I think he has taught, taught so much and I can't understand 
that the change, of course, in his ministry. And I'm not. And he's not. I, he's not done anything heretical. But there were men of God whom I trusted, who left their wives. Wives. God hates divorce. He hates it. How could I be his servant? How can I be his child? I would do what he hates simply because because I think they're not happy. Happy. When did happiness is a man-centered idea? Amen. God blessed us. Truly happy. You can be happy by went went a hole in one at the golf golf today. God says you will be truly happy. Follow Him. But our world doesn't know blessed. It just, just says you're going to be happy if you, get, if you get the latest Xbox. And it all, it all emptiness. My, my children and I, somehow we got family and I, and I somehow got talking about um, his name, Robin, Robin Williams, the comedian or funny guy, and how many voices he can make and can. Talk about silly things at home. <laughs> Talk about these these voices make, and you and I, you and I would look at somebody who is very successful, had lots lots of money, famous. Everything that the that the world promises you that if you get, you will finally be happy. And what was what was his fate? Suicide. Why? Because most of the time, when you get there, you find out it was a lie. God says you can, you can be truly happy. He offers true happiness. Sometimes, sometimes it's not until we go, go to be in the kingdom. Sometimes true true happiness the Christian is being burned at the stake. But what do, what do so many famous martyrs, what would they do when they were, they were burned at the stake? They weren't even shouting in pain. They were singing hymns to God. As the Apostle Paul counted a joy to be beaten for Christ. That's the opposite of Robin Williams, Williams would tell you. Or the world, what the world told him. Why do we chase it? How do we endure? We abide in God's Word. We trust Christ. We repent and trust in Him. We make him our Lord. Lord means our supreme commander. We do do what he says. He is the one who calls the shots. In fact, if we come to Christ, he is the very meaning of our life. He is all that it's about. Amen? Amen. Pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Father, as we read Gnosticism of, of mystery Babylon religion that we found in the Old Testament, at, at the enemy rearranges and, and, and brings back to the front burner again. We see in your, in your word that all of those who don't know you and don't, don't know your word will be deceived. 
They'll be deceived because they are slaves, slaves in, and their flesh will convince them that they will find happiness if they will do, do just what the flesh does. And it's true over and over, 100% of the time, that those, those who follow the flesh, flesh this happiness, will find themselves in destruction. Will find themselves in mis- misery. Your word says there's, there is a way that seems right to man and ends in this destruction. Colossians were, were reminded that, that we follow the way, way of the world, the ways of man. We end in destruction. And yet, Father, your word says if we come to know you, if we come to have a real glimpse of, of Christ, if we come to come to truly know you, we could not turn our backs because we, because we understand the value of you of this treasure. We would sell everything that we, that we had to buy this field, to dig up this treasure, as, as your word, word says. And that treasure is Christ. Father, help us to see the value of of Christ. Help us to understand there is wheat and there is tares. I think in the Testament of even the prophets, some prophets would say, come listen to us because we also are prophets. And yet these were wicked men. Father, let us keep our eyes and our mind filled with your word. Let us know it, Father, that we might not be deceived, that we might not humble into a, to a trap, a wicked one. Father, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.